Hi, welcome to the History Respawn podcast. I'm your host, Bob Whitaker. This episode features an interview I did last week with Maxime Durand, the World Design Director on Discovery Tour for Ubisoft. I talked with Maxime about the new version of Discovery Tour called Viking Age, which is built around Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Like previous versions of Discovery Tour, Viking Age provides players with museum-like tour of a historical era, in this case, 9th century England and Norway. Unlike previous versions of Discovery Tours, however, Viking Age also features a narrative storyline and quests to guide players to tour markers, as well as provide players with different perspectives on everyday life during this time period. If you follow History Respawn, you know that we've been keenly interested in the development of Discovery Tour, and we've often been very critical of its presentation in the past. I had a chance to play through Viking Age last week using a review code from Ubisoft, and I have to say I think this new version of Discovery Tour answers a lot of the criticism I had of previous iterations in the series. In this interview, Maxime talks about the philosophy behind Discovery Tour and about the rationale for the changes made to the series in Viking Age. He also talks about behind-the-scenes work with medieval scholars and archaeologists that went into this historical mode. I certainly enjoyed hearing from Maxime's perspective on this project, and I hope you do too. With that, here's the interview. Maxime, welcome back to History Respond. Thank you very much. Super happy to be here. So, Maxime, as a history instructor, I'm really thrilled to have uh, just one version of Discovery Tour, and now we're going to end up with three. And I'm wondering, could you tell our listeners a bit about the process that's gone into Discovery Tour mode since its inception and since the first version of this mode in AC Origins? Yes, definitely. Um, I'm super thrilled that we're that we're we now have three versions of the Discovery Tour too. Uh, that was uh, it's. I've, I think I've said it before, but I'll say it again. It, it is a really uh, a dream come true for me, uh, as uh, as a historian by by trade, uh, to be able to have this mode that's dedicated for learning and for enjoying history for everyone. Um, and so, going back in time a little bit, uh, the idea is that. Um, Around 2014, when we launched the game called Assassin's Creed Unity, uh, I think that was a moment when we realized as, as developers that we wanted to reuse the game for other purposes than just for pure entertainment. Um, it was already a moment when we had witnesses uh, or testimonies, I should say, from, from teachers and from museums that either already used the game Assassin's Creed uh, or wanted to use it, but they faced difficulties in, in bringing an M-rated game into a classroom. Um, so that was one part that we had, uh, as as information goes. And then in also there was something that came from the team where we wanted to give more. Uh, we knew that we had put so much efforts in creating these environments that give life to these games, recreating these buildings, uh, the crowd life, uh, creating these scenarios, these characters. Uh, we thought that it had a tremendous potential to make it into a, a video game, an, an educative video game. And so that's how the idea of the Discoverator was born internally. Um, and so we we built upon this. Uh, we we talked with educators, teachers uh, in, in between 2014 and 2018, which was uh, when we launched the original Discovery Tour Ancient Egypt. So 
what was it really or what is it really? Uh, the idea at first was that we wanted to give access to, to these game worlds, uh, minus the problems that could that could uh, be problematic for schools. So first thing we did was that we removed any conflict, any violence from the game. We stripped it away from all uh, the narrative of the main game as well, um, for many reasons. And one of them is that the um, the duration of a typical Assassin's Creed game is much longer than the time that teachers have in the classroom. Yeah, especially <laughs> especially recent titles, right? Exactly. Uh, the average the average uh, time play for for Assassin's Creed games is is, is surely between uh, forty hours or more for a full playthrough. And and I mean, it's not not unusual to see that some players will go up to two hundred hours because they they want to really interact with a lot of the content. So we wanted to remove that that part really from the game and reuse the shell. Um, and I guess the idea was that we wanted to be generous and uh, and make sure that people could visit these worlds uh, without pressure, uh, even if they're not gamers themselves, if they're not super comfortable with controls. And then we could highlight really the historical information that's, that was behind, either information that we had used as developers to create the game, so information that inspired us, uh, but also uh, a reason to talk about history. So let's let's be a, a, little, bit, a little bit more example focused here. Um, the first discovery tour was based off in ancient Egypt. So we wanted to talk about the, the history of the pyramids from their making to the, the way they evolved through time and how we how they've been rediscovered um, in the and the modern era. And all of these were elements that we wanted to talk about. We wanted to talk about also how. Uh, what were the sources that we used for the game, and if we made the pyramids different in the game, how we made them different. For instance, we we play a little bit with the size of the pyramids, because the game itself has different dimensions than real life, and and because the character needs to be able to walk through it. So these, I think, were all the information that uh, really sparked the idea of making a discovery tour, and that first they were really tours. So when we got into Discovery to Ancient Egypt, the, the idea is uh, we we were using a, a character, an avatar, um, that didn't necessarily have a personality. We could choose from, I think, 35 of them uh, between ancient Egypt, Egyptians, uh, Greeks, and Romans. But the idea is that they were not incarnated by by um, a narrative. They were just a, a, an empty shell to make the player go around. And players would follow a line on the ground, and they would follow different tours that would last an average between 10 and 20 minutes so that it could fit into uh, a classroom very easily. And so that was really the idea and what we did on the first Discovery Tour in uh, 2018. Um, we were super lucky that the reaction from the public was so strong. Uh, I remember that we, we were very happy uh, with seeing the first 100,000 users. Uh, and then when we got to half a million, then jumped over a million users for the first Discovery Tour, we were... Uh, we were over the top as as a team. We were super, super excited and happy that all of these efforts uh, were made available and were were there for for people to enjoy. Uh, so that was sufficient for us to uh, to move on to and do a second discovery tour, which was based off in ancient Greece, uh, following the release of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And so that second opus was released in two thousand and nineteen, and really um, really reused the formula that we had created originally with the first Discover Tour, uh, but we uh, adapted it a little bit to make it more um, interactive. So we added these uh, guides that would ask quizzes at the end of each quest, 
or at the end of each tour for uh, players that wanted to do that. And it would add a little bit more personality and, and warmth to the experience. Yeah, I think, I think that <laughs> Sorry, was a really the quizzes were a really great addition because, like you were saying, with the first version in AC Origins, it felt very much like a, a an old school museum experience. Whereas I feel like uh, the version with Odyssey had a bit more interactivity to it and maybe was more compelling uh, to players just coming to that mode fresh. Uh, indeed, that was that was one of the objectives that we had. Uh, we realized that. Uh, the voice also from the narrators from the first Discover Tour was maybe a little dry. Uh, I don't think we realized it when we did it, but afterwards um, uh, we realized that we could we could maybe benefit a little bit more from the experience that we have generally making video games. And so even even the narrators had a different different type of voice. Uh, the tone that we that we taken was a little different. And in addition to the tours, the the second thing that we added that was a, a big value uh, in that. Uh, uh, Discovery to ancient Greece was that we added the uh, discovery sites, which were elements of exploration outside of the tours. Um, we realized that was a lot of appetite for for some players, at least, to go around and and have the uh, the freedom to explore the world without necessarily following a, a tour. So and for us as as developers, it really allowed us to make sure that players could go pretty much anywhere on the map, and even if there wasn't a subject for one full tour. Uh, there was something for players to to go and visit, especially with the map on Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It was so vast, and there's so much history to cover. Um, we I think we we really appreciated that kind of experience. Hmm. So Discovery Tour mode is one that's gotten a lot of interest from History Respawn's academic audience. And I'm wondering, can you give us a sense of the academic or instructor response that you've received on previous versions of Discovery Tour mode? For us, uh, having this talk with academics, with teachers, with museums, archaeologists, is something that we always take very seriously. Um, we participate in as many conferences as we are invited to, uh, to make sure that we have this opportunity to discuss, to be part of the discussion, to receive feedback also. Um, so I guess most of the feedback that we had was that people were really enjoying it. Um, it's it's always we knew that it was always going to be a difficult task uh, to bring a game like Assassin's Creed uh, to some audiences to some uh, humanities uh, who are not gamers and who are not interested in gaming. But up so far, the reaction has been super positive. Um, we received some uh, some very good critics uh, regarding the way that this Discovery Tour was uh, was using and explaining history. Uh, one of them, for instance, was that. Uh, we've been working with historians and academics to create and to craft the Discovery Tour, but we did not necessarily uh, put their, na their name forward in, on every tour. So that was one of the good critics that we actually received. And after two games now, I'm, I'm happy to say that we're changing that for the upcoming Discovery Tour Viking Age. Uh, now we're, get, we're giving the credits due to, to all of these historians who are working on every tour, who are creating these tours with us, uh, with the development team. Uh, so that was one of the idea. Um, let's say between the first Discovery Tour and the second one, another thing that we changed, that we adapted from these comments from the academic side, uh, was the uh, reference um, the reference notes for every art, uh, artifact image that was in the game. So um, let's take the first Discovery Tour. We had a few hundreds images of references uh, where we credit them. So uh, either artifacts or um, 
or uh, scans from from books, uh, from diggings. So we, we were giving away a lot of information that was from outside the game, and we were always giving the source, but we would never give away the this, the item number from museums. And so that was something we added in the second Discovery Tour, so that it would be easier for people to be able to review uh, the kind of work that we did or to make links with what we had externally. Um, so, I mean, there's so much more that I would like to, 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 to tell, but I think one very important aspect that we noticed that we had from the academic side was that the Discovery Tours should be more narrative-driven. And that was something that we heard a little bit from the first Discovery Tour, but it kept coming much stronger after the uh, second Discovery Tour, and this is why we are changing the formula uh, totally for this uh, third Discovery Tour, uh, Viking Age, where it is completely quest-driven mm-hmm. and narrative-driven also, uh, because it has a super high potential for retention. Mm-hmm. It has a, a, a huge potential because it is uh, empathic-based learning, uh, and so, and so that, as you can as you can see, it's this is uh, the kind of feedback that that is really super important for us. I don't think we would have done that on the first discovery tour, uh, because I, I guess we would not have been ready to try and and make something that's a video game. We wanted it really to make more something like a documentary, so that it could be accepted externally as something that was valid. Uh, and now we see that the reaction is that the, the academic community wants more. They want us to do a video game because there's real strength in doing that uh, with real scientific values and purposes. Yeah. And I, so and so that's the big, big new addition for this time. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I mean, mainly because it's been so popular in the last 20 years or so. Uh, for academics to take on game elements into the classroom. Uh, You know, for instance, live action role play is very popular, especially with historians. And, you know, I could see them looking at Discovery Tour and wanting that same sort of interactivity. And, of course, with Assassin's Creed, it's kind of a ready-made franchise uh, for that kind of work. Um, Just really quickly, I mean, Maxime, have you had any opportunities to... Visit classrooms where Discovery Tour is being played. I'm just wondering, have you have you done any of that uh, uh, kind of field work to see how it's being used uh, by instructors, by students? I, I'd say pre-March 2020, yes, a lot. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so even before we launched the original Discovery Tour, we uh, we'd started uh, studies. Uh, even so, even before the launch of the original Discovery Tour, we already had uh, nine high school classes that had been followed, uh, um, and so we are following a lot of studies with different universities. Um, uh, so many of them are based off Montreal because this is where we're located at as in terms of studio and because uh, here, uh, at least in Quebec and Canada, there's a lot of interest for the use of digital tools for, uh, for classrooms. Um, but it does happen in the US, it happens in Europe as well, uh, in, in various countries. So for us, this is crucial uh, to have uh, first-hand accounts and so we do have consultants that help us uh, on the teacher side to give us feedback. Uh, we present them uh, early pitches on our products, and they have an opportunity to test that in their classroom if they want to. Um, when we can, because of the, uh, let's say, a pandemic or a sanitary situation, we, we go in the classroom as well. And so for us, that's something that's super important. I'd say over that that we are uh, we are launching uh, a new website which uh, adds now uh, guides and curriculums for teachers on the Discovery Tour website, and this is a partnership that we are doing with uh, the McGill University 
and funded by uh, MITAX, which is a government-funded research here based in, in Canada. And the idea is that we can, uh, we are launching a beta version of this website so that teachers, wherever they are in the world, whatever is their situation or uh, the age of their learners, they can use the discovery tour for their own situation. They can custom make uh, a learning program for their classes. Uh, so that's one of the many examples of how we can work with the community, how we can make this product really go as far as we can. That's great. That's all very encouraging. Um, so with regard to Discovery Tour Valhalla, uh, what kind of research went into this mode and to what extent did you work with scholars to develop this new version of Discovery Tour? So this one is super exciting. Um, I, I personally used to do the research on, on, on origins. I was uh, a bit further away as, a, as an historian on, on Odyssey and relied more on the work that was done by Stefania Nuhrata. Um, it was the same for Valhalla. I wasn't the one doing the whole research, so I had to rely on, on others, which was a great opportunity to learn from them. Um, so we're changing the formula with Discovery Tour Viking Age, uh, which is quest-driven, which meant that um, instead of just talking about history, we had to make realistic history uh, situations with the, the new characters that we we're creating. So the story is is, um, is really center, uh, centered around the... Uh, the adventures of uh, Thorstein and Gunhilda, uh, a Norse couple, a Norse merchant couple, and a monk called Elrich, who is an Anglo-Saxon monk, and King Alfred. So, by working with the the, uh, the historians that uh, that helped us create these quests, uh, the idea is that we wanted to make sure with them that we were giving away the right information for for teaching, so things that are relevant today, uh, and also get access to uh, inspiration to make these quests as realistic and as compelling as possible. So let's take one example. We have eight quests in the upcoming Discover Tour. Um, one of them that I really appreciate a lot is a quest that is located at, in the Isle of Ely. It is a monastery uh, and very interestingly, so it is situated in the game Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So that was uh, the minimum basis that we needed. It had to be there physically. Uh, it was a, a monastery that was uh, um, where men and women were in the same monastery at the same time, and an abbess was at the head of the monastery. So for us, as as modern day uh, developers, that kind of information was super inspiring. And by having the discussion with the the historian consultant, in this case, um, uh, was uh, uh, Allison Hudson uh, from the uh, University of uh, of uh, Central Florida. Um, she really helped us to understand how we can create one day in the life of a monk in a monastery, how it, how it unfolds, what they do. So uh, they work with manuscripts, they provide health care, uh, they, they work around the, mon the monastery to gather honey, to gather elements uh, for their own economy or for, or for praying or for writing the, the books. So, so many information that, that we had to we had to trim a lot down to make sure that the quests were not uh, two hours long each, but it's so inspiring and and I think with this information in mind that comes from the the academics, uh, we can really create something compelling where players will actually not realize that they are learning because they are following a video a more traditional video game. Uh, so I'm I'm very very excited and happy about the work that was done by these consultants. 
Well, it's great to hear that this game mode has got more interactivity because I remember uh, recording a uh, kind of a, a long play of uh, the last Discovery Tour mode of uh, Odyssey. And uh, my academic guest, uh, Dr. Kate Cook, on that, we were both commenting that it seemed like, in a way, you know, the uh, developers were kind of leaning away from the interactivity of uh, the Assassin's Creed and more towards a museum feel where we felt like maybe they should lean more into interactivity because that's what the game does so well. And so it's great to hear that this has got, at least uh, from the outside looking in, it's got more of an interactive feel, more of a game feel, which I think would be welcome to uh, certainly a lot of students, but then also I think an increasing number of academics who have you know begun to to take on games uh, as a part of their instruction uh, more and more, uh, particularly in North America. Yeah, it's uh, let's say it's it was a, it's a tough bet to be able to to get a fine balance between uh, making sure that we are creating quests that anybody can play, so that it 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 kind of is a, a fail proof in a way. So maybe less exciting than the traditional video game where you want this repetitive loop uh, that happens until you learn. And actually, it shows that you've learned because you've succeeded. Uh, and with the Discovery Tour, we don't necessarily have that luxury because uh, if, in a, if in a classroom, for instance, you have 20 minutes to do a lesson, you cannot wait for all the students to be able to, to, to succeed on the quests. Or otherwise, also, we don't want to leave people behind um, with uh, with people that are not gamers so that was that's why it I, I think it took a little time for us to get into that quest mode uh it it gave us enough time to learn and to make sure that we were doing it properly uh and i think right now we've we struck a fine balance between what players can expect that, that comes from video games so uh more narrative driven uh, quest based and at the other at the same time for students i think uh, we have something that fits in, into the time of a classroom uh, that's motivating and that's uh, super interesting to learn with. Great. Um, so can you give me a quick sense of what kind of interactions players in Discovery Tour can expect? Is it the case where it's more than just a listening to a tour guide, but it's something where they actually are pressing buttons, for instance, to do something? So in this new Discovery Tour, uh, when we talk about quest-driven action, it means that, uh, let's say, if we're a monk in a monastery, using my, my example from earlier, uh, we need to go in the morning and, and pray because that's what we were being uh, told by the abbess. First thing in the morning, you have to pray. Then we need to go and have breakfast. And then during the quest, uh, things, things happen that change the course of the day. And so uh, the player will be tasked to uh, gather elements, uh, find answers to questions. Uh, let's let's say, for instance, someone gets sick, and then we need to find a cure, and we need to identify what is causing this uh, this sickness. Uh, so, well, it's, it does happen that in this monastery there is a library where there are books, and, and during the medieval times there was a knowledge of medicine, and there were actually real cures. Uh, and so the, the player will be tasked to to go there, find the right uh, description, the right recipe, and then gather the elements, uh, mix them, and give them back to uh, to the the patient, to the, the person that needs curing. Um, so that's that's kind of an example of what we can get into the the quests. Um, this one uh, is is super fun to play because there's a lot of humor uh, in the dialogues that we have. 
so there are no there are no tours anymore. You're not following someone. Uh, if you are following someone or if you're followed by someone, it is because you're having a discussion about a topic that is at hand for for the character. Um, so let's say Gunhilda and Torstein, who are our Norse merchant couple, uh, when if they're talking together, if they're following each other's, uh, it might be because they're talking about their future or about something that's going to happen to them or that they want to have for for them to happen in the uh, in the upcoming moments of the quest. So you really really forget that it's a tour actually, and it really is more like a quest and participatory. That's fantastic. I, I mean that really hits with the part of Discovery Tour that I think I've criticized the most is the lack of interactivity. And you know, I can remember playing Discovery Tour Origins, for instance, and having this wonderful sequence play out for us, uh, you know, as players, uh, where they're making mummies. And it's like, oh, well, I would like to do that. You know, I would like to be hands-on with that. Or, you know, in Discovery Tour Odyssey, you know, watching, um, I think there was a long tour involving women's lives uh, during uh, ancient Greece. And so there was a moment where they're, uh, I think making food, and it's like, oh, I'd love to, do, I'd love to do that, participate in their routine, and it sounds like we're going to get that, uh, at least to a certain extent, with uh, Discovery Tour Viking Age. Definitely, uh, I think the the first example that we showed during uh, Ubisoft Forward in last June was uh, was showing someone who was actually working with hammer uh, and a nail and a piece of wood, uh, and so that's part of a quest where you are tasked to create your own boat uh, because you want to leave. And so to be able to leave, well, you need to have a boat. Yeah, great. And so uh, just briefly, you said that you have a kind of different quest involving a merchant couple, a monk, uh, and then King Alfred. And I'm wondering, was that, a, was that a conscious decision to kind of separate those perspectives and to give players kind of more perspectives on this, uh, this past age, you know, getting it from perspective of somebody at the very top, somebody kind of in the middle, religious figure, and then somebody kind of in at the bottom, kind of a, a full spectrum view of the past? Well, from the get-go, I'd say yes. Uh, we we wanted to have diverse opinions and, and viewings. Uh, we wanted to make sure that people who played Valhalla or Assassin's Creed Valhalla have a complementary ex- experience. They, it adds to what they're doing. Uh, so I think in this sense, we're, we're, we're refreshing their experience. Even if they've played 200 hours of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, they're going to learn something new uh, because we're... we're, we're uh, we're going into places that the game hasn't been to as much. Um, so by having a, a Norse couple, we're making sure that it, it's uh, it makes sense with the game being non-violent, uh, because this is not necessarily the way that they would behave, or if they do, well, at least it's not on screen. <laughs> uh, as as with uh, Elrich, uh, the opportunity, and with King Alfred, was that um, the vast majority, I mean, the biggest map of the game is, is set in England, or at least in the, in the various regions that compose uh, modern-day England. And uh, we had this opportunity to talk about the Anglo-Saxons. Um, so the Viking, I think, is the super attractive part, and it's half of the content of the Discovery Tour. But the age isn't just about them. It's about the people that they meet. It's about people that come from uh, the caliphates, people that they, they encounter in other regions of the world, uh, because they, ne- they, they just go everywhere, or mm-hmm. they have contacts with people from as far away as India. Uh, which which is highlighted in one of the quests set in Jorvik, and where we've uh, worked with uh, with. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I have a, <laughs> I have a hard time remembering uh, her name right just right now. Uh, but with Kat, uh, Dr. Kat Yarman, 
is uh, who has done a lot of work on the beads that came from uh, from Mother Day India and who, which have been found in the Repton graves in England. So these are all super exciting elements that we can we can put forward and uh, and showing all all of this diversity was really key to the inception of this game. Great. That's fantastic. And a good recovery there, remembering uh, the name. I know uh, scholars like me really enjoy having citations uh, to list. So that's fantastic. <laughs> um, but they've been, they've been so great. Really, really fun to work with these people that I think we were working on, on something that they, they were not used to. Uh, it, 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 it really talks, but m- many of them already work uh, within museums. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking about Sue Bruning, who's uh, curator of early middle ages at the British Museum. She'd never done a video game before, and now she's been able to to help us create and craft rewards for players that are based off real uh, real artifacts. And uh, so it's a uni- unique opportunity even for them, and it's super exciting for both of us. Well, and do you feel and you know this is a personal question, so feel free to answer it any way you want to. But do you feel like things have gotten a little bit easier with getting scholars interested? In video games, um, I can just say anecdotally, from running my YouTube series, that I feel like things have gotten easier. Getting scholars to come onto the show, finding scholars who are willing to talk about games. I feel like in the past ten years or so, at least since Assassin's Creed started, that that kind of buy-in from scholars has become a bit easier than it used to be. I, I'm wondering what what's your experience been with that? A hundred percent agree. Um, it has evolved so much. I, I mean, I, re- I remember uh, working on, on my first Assassin's Creed game, uh, Assassin's Creed Three, and when we we released uh, back in 2012, it was it was much more difficult to get people on board. Uh, they wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't not necessarily understand uh, what we were doing or why we were, we would do it. Um, even museums uh, did not necessarily understand it, or they thought it's you know it's a. Uh, I don't think I. They had a hard time making sure, making an understanding that video games could be uh, could be beneficial, um, and of course it has changed a lot. Uh, it's it's just crazy how digital humanities has exploded <laughs> in the field. Um, I don't I don't think there is any day where we don't receive uh, requests from uh, master's degree or PhD uh, student asking for help or for information on the way that these games have been made, on the way that Assassin's Creed games have been made, and the role of historians within all of this. So it's it's both super exciting and a little bit o- overwhelming at the same time. <laughs> uh, it goes super fast, but uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of interest there, and and I'm happy to see where it's going right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got a great position. I'm super jealous. So keep it up. Keep up the good work. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, So last question here. Um, I'm wondering what part of this new version of Discovery Tour did you enjoy the most? Uh, Was there any tour or any section? I guess I shouldn't say tour anymore. Was there any quest line uh, that you found particularly fascinating or surprising? Well, for me, it's the whole process uh, that was very different. Uh, We really reused processes that we normally have for for making video games and for me that was i guess that was the first time that i was in a position personally uh to to listen a little bit more to what others in the team had to bring to the to the the project uh so from from the writers from the level designers uh i think they had a tremendous opportunity to bring their experience and and to make us all grow within this uh me personally but of course the project so where i'm i'm very excited about partnerships the way we work with the historians uh of course the new quest system is really what i'm most proud of 
because they're super fun. That the kind of feedback that we received from multiple tests that we've done during the development was that it felt too short. Mm. And for me, that's the kind of the thing I want I want to hear, uh, especially when you compare it to to the previous discovery tours. Uh, as you mentioned, that uh, for some people it felt a, a little long. Uh, I think we we wanted to be so generous in terms of information that we were giving away too much, and now having that kind of feedback where people want more is is just it's just a, a very good thing. Fantastic. Well, uh, that does it for today's episode. Maxime, thank you so much for your time. Always a real pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And if you enjoy History Respawn, please consider visiting our website at historyrespawn.com. And if you really enjoy our work, please consider supporting us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash historyrespawn. And until next time, listener, goodbye. Goodbye.